I guess I should begin by asking the question, how many of you read through the book, Cheryl? I see you looking at me. Uh-huh, you're like, man, I hope he doesn't pick on me. This. How many of you read through the book of Genesis this past week? Uh, no. You got a hearing aid? Because I can blame it on that. Oh, that's, that's what it is. That's what it is, right? Well, I... No. Well, yes, because it, it's, it's not about... It's not about this legalistic task of just simply getting through a reading. You have to do it. No, no. It's about allowing God to speak into our lives. Right, Pauline? <clears throat> it, I, I have to admit, it wasn't easy for me to do it because of all the other reading um, that I had to do, but I got it done. I got it done. I got the last ten chapters done in Sunday school this morning. Needless to say, I wasn't paying attention to Dave. <laughs> I wasn't. I had to read. I just had to read. Then I read the final two chapters right here this morning. So I'm done. Fifty chapters under my belt. Next week, we are actually going to, this week rather, we are, the task is to read through the book of Matthew. It's only 28 chapters. I think it's just 28, right? Am I wrong? 28 chapters? Ron? Just 28 chapters, I think. A little bit easier for you this week. But please read it. It's going to do you good. Amen. How do we feel when we go through the week's Skipping a meal or two here and there. How do we feel? Body gets weak, gets lazy, gets exhausted. It hurts, right? Your body's going to communicate with you. It's going to tell you, listen, listen, Jack, you need to, you need to sit down and eat. Think in terms of uh, your spiritual well-being. I don't know about you, but I don't want to remain the same as I am today. I want a little bit more of God today. And I know that fundamentally it happens through the reading and study of His Word. If I want to, if I want to be better, if I want to be stronger... I need to get into the Word of God. Amen? So, my goal, uh, these next few weeks and months, however the Lord leads, is to deliver a message to you that actually correlates with our Bible reading plan. So, the task was to read through the book of Genesis this past week. I want to bring before you today a, a message based on the book of Genesis. It's not going to be comprehensive, to say the least. Uh, it's just, I want to highlight some of the important things that, that we can actually apply to our lives spiritually. And so the title that I have for you this morning is, Go Forth and Multiply. <clears throat> Go Forth and Multiply. And if you will, open your Bibles up to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, we are going to be reading from verse 26... Through the end of that chapter, 31. (coughs) Genesis chapter 1, 26 through 31. I'm going to ask you to graciously stand with me for the reading of God's Word. And say amen, please, if you have it. If you can stand, you don't have to. It's not a mandate. Neither here nor there with regard to standing. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 31. I still hear the pages. Just a couple pages into the cover, inside the cover. Why are you still looking? What's going on? It's not in the middle or the end of the Bible. It's in the beginning. Read with me, beginning with verse 26. Then God said... Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, hence the title. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food, and to every beast of the earth, 
and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Father, thank you so much for the reading of your word this morning. Father, speak into our lives. Help us to understand what it is you have to say to us as your children and as your church. Father, we love you this morning. These things we pray and ask in Jesus' name. And God's people say, Amen. You may be seated. <coughs> have you ever stopped to think about what it could have been? What it could have been like for mankind had Adam and Eve not sinned against God in the beginning? Have you ever stopped to think about what it could be like right now for you and I today? Had Adam and Eve not made that mistake so long ago in the book of Genesis, so long ago in history? Can you imagine what perfection would be like today in our lives? Can you, how, how many of you can imagine perfection? It, it's in my futile mind, in my futile way of thinking, it's just not possible for me to imagine perfection. Because I'm so imperfect, I'm so unrighteous, it's impossible to perceive perfection. Because our, our theme for 2019 is intentional worship, my goal with this message is, number one, to discover God's purpose for mankind. What is God's purpose for mankind? It's a, it's a valid question because so many people in our society today have that question. I mean, it's the billion dollar question in the minds of so many people in society today. What is the meaning of life? And many people walk around saying, making these declarations, there are no absolutes. There is no meaning to life. Just eat and drink and be merry and do whatever it is that you want to do with your life. However you want to do it, as long as you want to do it. There is no meaning to life. Also, secondly, I want to track that intent. Discover God's purpose for mankind. I want to track that um, in, a, in a very simple way throughout the book of Genesis and, in fact, throughout the entire Bible. And lastly, I want to point out God's purpose with Abraham and ultimately with the Hebrew nation. What did God intend when he created mankind in the beginning. How many of you can say, after having read through the book of Genesis, that Genesis is an, is an absolutely amazing book? How many can say that Genesis is awesome, that Genesis is amazing? I'm sure we all have our favorite books in the Bible. I love the book of Romans. I love the book of Galatians. I love the Gospels. But Genesis, by far, is the heart and soul of the Bible. I know, may seem a little, little interesting, especially given the fact that we all have our favorite books, but think about the book of Genesis, the scope of it. We would not know about God himself today were it not for the book of Genesis. It's not enough to read through the Gospels to learn about God, because Genesis, his, God himself, he reveals himself to mankind through the book of Genesis. What an amazing book it is to me in my mind. And secondly, he reveals, the book of Genesis reveals our history. So many people live with the question, where did we come from? What was it like in the beginning? The book of Genesis answers that question and so many more. Genesis also reveals our purpose. The reason why you and I exist today. We're going to look into that just a little bit today. And you're going to discover that we were not only created to worship God, we were created to bring Him glory this side of heaven. We were created to bring God glory, among other things. The, the book of Genesis also, also teaches us why the world is in the condition that is in today. So many people walk around today in society, especially here in this Western culture, with questions concerning the, the condition that the world is in today. If there is of God, the way you Christians 
declare, if there actually is a God, then why the suffering in Africa? Then why the urban blight in our cities, Los Angeles and Philadelphia and Detroit? If there is a God in heaven, why is there so much suffering in the world today? People like to ask that question and sort of justify their atheism. But in reality, the book of Genesis tells us why society is the way that it is today. It is the way that it is because you and I inhabit this planet. Because we, sinners, exist. It's the reason why society is the way that it is. We can make a difference if we come to a place of truly understanding that we have to devote our lives to God. God wants to do a wonderful thing in our lives. And lastly, in the book of Genesis, God's redemptive plan, His redemptive process for restoring mankind back to Himself is revealed, which actually culminates in Christ Jesus. Just think about that. God's redemptive process for restoring mankind back to Himself. We're going to look at some of those things this morning. So, in your reading this, this past week, did you notice that in Genesis 1 and 2, that man was created last? How many noticed that? You probably already knew that a long time ago, right? Uh, book of Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, they both reveal that man was created last. Day 1, God created light. Day 2, God created the atmosphere. Day 3, God created land and vegetation, trees and grass, things of that nature. Day four, he created the sun, the moon, and the stars. Day five, he created the sea animals and birds. Day six, he created land animals. And finally, he created mankind. He created you and I on day six. Somebody put it this way. He created man last as if he said, having last settled the, having at last settled the preliminaries. Let us now apply ourselves to the business. Let us make man. Let us make may let us make man. We are indeed God's greatest created creation. So much so, just think in terms of the fact that we were created in His image. How many know that we were created in God's image? What in the world does that actually mean? So many people use that that language. The Bible uses that language. It says that we were created in the image of God. What does that even mean? Number one, it reveals to the fact that we possess His nature and His constitution. We create the very nature of God. That is, we are immortal. We are going to live forever. We have this capacity to know and to understand. We have also the capacity to influence. How many know that? His nature and His constitution. We were given dominion and authority. God possesses dominion and authority. Right after He created mankind, He endowed or He bestowed upon man the virtue, if you will, of dominion and authority. Just think, He created all of life. And after He created life, He created man and He gives man responsibility over all living things. It's a quality that God possesses. Dominion and authority. We'll talk a little bit more about that a little bit later. And finally, we were created in purity and rectitude. Rectitude. So a word that we use in Spanish from kindergarten. A word that, that you don't often hear in the English language. But we use it in the Spanish language from a very young, uh, young age. Rectitude. To be stand up, to be upright, to be faithful, to be honorable. God created us with that capacity. You and I today, we can yield ourselves to living according to the will of God if we determine to do so. Because God put that inside of us. Of course, we have to yield ourselves to Him. Because that's what life is truly all about. Listen to these words found in, if you're writing anything down, Ephesians chapter 4. 22 through 24. It says, To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. It says, To put off. 
It says we have the liberty of doing so. We can put off our old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God. There it is, Genesis 1. Created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. We could put him on. Colossians chapter 3, 9 and 10 reads, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. See that? The New Testament reveals the image of God within you and I. And Ecclesiastes 7.29 says, See, this alone I found, that God made man upright, that they have sought, but they have sought out many schemes. God made us in his image. Animals weren't created in the image of God. You and I have. You and I have been. God has given, the, given us a wonderful gift to live this side of heaven, to bring Him glory and honor, and to do it intentionally. So after having created man, what do you suppose was intended by the proclamation in verse 28? Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. What did God intend by saying that to man? It's easy to think about the natural element of that proclamation of God. Just simply go forth and multiply. Be married, have children, and that's it. There's more to it than that. There was a powerful meaning behind what God was actually saying. I don't have time to get into it, but if you, like me, enjoy studying the Word of God, pick up one of those Bibles that have the Hebrew text and have the transliteration and then the translation so that you can really get the juice, if you will, out of the Word of God. It's a powerful meaning what God intended when He declared, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. This is when our theme, intentional worship, is really taken into account. Point number one that I have for you this morning, if you're writing down, is an inheritance. An inheritance. Now, I'm going to start from the middle of verse 28, Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to start from the middle, then to the, the end of that verse, and then back up to the beginning of the verse with my points here this morning. I know. Interesting, right? An inheritance. Genesis 128b, if you will. And God said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Just think, God said everything that he had created was good. If you read through the first chapter um, in Genesis and part of the second chapter of Genesis, after God, his created acts, after each every day, he settled the matter by saying, and it was Oh, that was weak. I had two people, one over here, one over there. God settled the matter and he said it was, and it was good. Acts 17:26 says, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. He created us to inhabit the earth. The point is an inheritance. God creates all things. He takes his time. He puts all that he had into his creation, and then he creates man on the sixth day and bestowed all of his creation to man's care. That's extraordinary to me. And it's a point because I refuse to take it for granted. When we take points like this for granted, we lose sight of why we were created in the first place. And we wrestle with thoughts like, I'm insignificant, or I don't matter. Or whatever the case might be. You know what you're struggling with in terms of that sort of thinking, right? You've, we've all been there. Some of us are actually there right now. And we struggle with why we actually live. Why we were created in the first place. God created us with meaning, with purpose, with intent. Just think of all of life. 
How many would agree with me in saying that life is beautiful? Perhaps not from your perspective if you're struggling this morning. But think in terms of life. Think in terms of the complexity of life. When was the last time you took a really good look in the mirror and appreciated your eyeball? Silly, I know. Silly. But just think about it, if you will. Think about the complexity of the eye. Man is unable to understand it. It's amazing. Just think of all of life. It's glorious. The animals, the complexities in the animal kingdom, all over the world. Think about the minerals, the jewelry that you wear. How many women love that gold? Oh, you're not going to raise your hand up now, huh? Yeah. I'll get you outside a little bit later. You're, yeah. We, listen, we, we love the bling. We like the jewelry. We like the silver. We like the jewelry. We even love the fake stuff. We love it. There's an affinity that we have for the minerals. Because it's beautiful. And just think, God created all of it. And He gave it to us. As a gift. He gave it to you and I, I, to, to you and I as a gift. And yet the key, however, to this one point, is that man's assigned purpose was to fill the earth with God's glory. God did not create you and I to walk through life aimlessly. Now, it probably wasn't a difficult task in the beginning before man rebelled against God. Man was perfect, and therefore, his day was therefore perfect. He was following God without any, without any mishaps, without any issues. Until that day they consumed from the tree they weren't supposed to touch. For, me, for you and I today, it's a lot more difficult than it was for them early on. You and I, in order to please God intentionally, we have to, in fact, be intentional with our worship. Otherwise, we will automatically default to walking through life aimlessly, as if there's no meaning to life. And we will, again, by default, take advantage of the resources that God has blessed us with. Some of you have some finances, some of you don't. Um, we all have these gifts and these talents and these abilities that God has blessed us with. We all have resources. And in order to truly give God glory with these things, we have to appreciate it. But it takes effort on our part. Without effort, you will walk through life aimlessly, without any meaning, without any significance, believing that you were not created with any intention, any real intention by God Himself. God has assigned a purpose to you and I, and that purpose is to fill this earth with His glory. How do we do that? why we came up with the theme that we did intentional worship intentional worship where are you with your faith today what has God given to you and are you living life today to bring him glory what's your life like today what are you like in secret when nobody else is watching what goes through your mind What goes through your heart? Where is your faith today? These are very important questions. Very important questions. And it's not as if we're trying to establish some measure of perfection in the house of God with this intentional worship thing, right? It's about maturity. It's important in the house of God, right? Or am I alone with that concept, that idea? I am not alone. That's why you're here this morning. God wants us. He loves us. He wants fellowship with us. He wants relationship with us. There was a poll conducted recently. I know, a shady source, compromising at best. It was a poll, there, there has been a poll June of 2018, conducted by ABC Belief Net. ABC Belief Net. And the reason why I'm bringing this to you is because it speaks to the disconnect that exists in the hearts and lives of God's people. The, ironically, the poll states that 83% of Americans identify as Christians. 83% identify as Christians. 13% have no religion. And 4% of adherents are adherents of non-Christian religions. 83% agree to a Christian worldview. Does that actually mean that 83% of Americans are actually serving God? 
in no way, shape, or form. So why the disconnect? Because of our failure to be intentional. God has given us an inheritance. And when we, for whatever reason, choose not to intentionally, with determination, worship our God and come before Him, whether it's Bible study or Bible reading or fasting from time to time, or come in the church on Sunday or during the midweek service or Bible study, when we fail to be intentional, we will by default slip into becoming a part of this statistic. 83% of Americans are Christian, really? Colossians 3.17, this is what we do. Colossians 3.17, most of you know this verse. It says, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Did you see, did you hear, did you pick up on the principle of intentionality in that verse? And whatever you do, in word or in word or deed, that is our or at least ought to be our constitution. Constitution. I am living my life to please my God. I am living my life to glorify my God and King. I'm determined to please God. Point number two, dominion and authority. Look at verse 28 again and look at the last part of verse 28. It says, after God told man to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. He said, subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. He says, subdue it and have dominion. God has placed everything, all of life, all of his creation into the care of mankind. He created animals who are, listen to this, who are incapable of fearing or serving Him, then He calls upon us who are created in His image to manage them. Can animals worship and fear God? No way, shape, or form. Yet God created them with a purpose. He created them. He said, the baby saying, Amen, Amen. I agree with Him. I agree with Him. He created everything for us. He gave us dominion. And He gave us authority. It means that we are His representatives on the earth. And this, in effect, an inherent power that God has bestowed upon us. Man was created to rule this cosmos on His behalf. That's what it comes down to. We were created to be God's representatives. We were created to be God's representatives. That should give somebody here this morning meaning and purpose. Because it's easy. It's easy to believe that we are insignificant. In fact, I dare say that there's somebody here this morning. In fact, there's more than a handful of people here this morning. And you've been coming to church for many years. And yet, you're here and you still haven't come to grips with the fact that God created you as a significant person in His kingdom here on earth. And we, and we wrestle with these things. We struggle with these things. No, let the assignment, the job, the task, the role be given to somebody else because I can't do it. That is not my place. I wasn't created for that. Or I don't have that gifting. Or I don't have that ability or that talent. That's a lie. We've been given a, 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 a gift from the Lord. An authority. A dominion. Some of you have dogs, right? How many have dogs? Who's the master in the relationship? <laughs> the dog. <laughs> you see my point exactly. Some of you are confused. You heard that, Ron? Take note of them. Take note of them. My point exactly. The dog's the master. My point is, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> That's funny. Listen to this. Psalms 8. I read this, I read this this morning. Psalms 8, verses 3 through 9. The psalmist here, King David, he was thinking about this, this thought that you and I are having here this morning about uh, God having created everything. And then created man and bestowed everything into our care. And the psalmist was, he was thinking about this. He says, when I looked at your 
heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him? What is man that you are mindful of? Who are we to you? Why are we so important? Why are we so significant to you? And the sons of man that you care for him. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. And crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen. And also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heaven, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. God is glorious in what he does. And yet he selected you and I and given us this authority to manage everything that he created. However, in the same way that God held Adam and Eve accountable in Genesis chapter 3. You remember the story when they sinned against God? God says, you can eat of every tree in this garden except for the one in the middle. Don't touch it. Because the day you touch that tree, you are going to die. And in fact, one day, it was women. It was the women. Brothers, the women. Watch yourself. Watch yourself, brother. You're on thin ice right there. I was just making a joke of it. You want thin ice? Joey says, no, don't, don't, don't do it, Rick. Don't, don't do it. You want thin ice. <laughs> so he creates us. He gives us a command. He says, don't go near it. Don't even touch it. Man does exactly what God said not to do. Man consumes from this tree and immediately, instantaneously, there was a lost. A void entered their hearts, their lives. An emptiness, a meaningless, a separation from God's glory. Just like that. And what did God do? Genesis chapter 2. In the 3, rather. In the cool of the day, God comes down and He's looking. He's looking for Adam. He holds Adam and Eve responsible for their action. He holds them responsible. And even though he goes about restoring their relationship, what ultimately happens between them and the Garden of Eden? They were kicked out. They were removed from their pleasure, from their comfort, from their Garden of Eden because of their failure to obey God. In the same way, God holds us accountable. You and I have been gifted with life. One day, the Bible says, Philippians 2 and, and Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4 says, And no creature is hidden from his, from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. One day we will stand before God. One day we're going to give an account of our lives. One day all of this, it's going to unfold as a, as a curtain or as a television screen, if you will. And everything, your life and mine, even the empty thoughts that we have, the Bible states, we're going to have to give an account for. Everything. And I say that to support the idea that we are to be intentional with our worship. God expects us to live intentionally. And the last point, I titled it Reconciliation. Reconciliation. And this has to do with relationships. Look at the first part of verse 28. Genesis 1, verse 28. Just the first part. It says, And God blessed them. It says, And God blessed them. Them, plural, God bless them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. I'm calling this point reconciliation because it has to deal with God's redemptive work towards man after the fall of Genesis 3. It has to do with his redemptive work. Genesis 3, 9 says, but the Lord called 
to the man and said to him, Adam, where are you? What we see in this text is that God is seeking to restore mankind to himself. Man sins in the beginning and immediately God senses it in heaven. And immediately, we're talking about reconciliation, God moves into action. My children are separated from me and I have to restore them to myself. It's God's mercy in His grace revealed in the Bible. In fact, the first place in the Bible where we hear of God's mercy and His grace. He brings, He comes in and He wants to restore mankind. The question is, why does He do it? Why doesn't God destroy us? Some people have asked that question in church before. Why doesn't God destroy us? The answer is simple. Because He loves us. Because He loves us. What He did in Adam was begin the process of making it like it was. Making it like it was when man was perfect. God established the process then to restore us to Himself and to actually make it like it was. So He restores them and ultimately that process involved the establishment of a nation through Abraham. Remember that? How many read? It involved the establishment of a nation, the nation of Israel through Abraham and continued on through the book to Joseph And throughout the rest of the Bible, God ratifies a wonderful concept. Relationships. Relationships. He puts them together. Then He establishes a purpose within them. And what He essentially does is that He pits man on a course directly to the cross of Christ. Everything that God does after Genesis chapter 3 involves relationship. And he points man to the cross. He establishes community, if you will. Because there's nothing like the power of it, this side of heaven, for God to fulfill His purpose in and through our lives. God does it through community. But the problem for man was that he had to earn his way with God through obedience. And it's not an easy thing for you and I today. How many of you this morning find it easy to be responsible? Hmm. It's not easy to anyone here this morning? Can we take this man outside and stone him? We need to take this man outside and stone him. It's not easy. It's just not easy. To be responsible. It's like we have to be like salmon. We said that once before. We have to swim upstream in order to do the right thing. It doesn't come naturally to us. It just doesn't come naturally. And yet God expects it from us. That's why we're here in church this morning. But yet we're just, we're just a small percentage of the society that exists and lives around us. Now granted, we're not in Philadelphia, so a great percentage of... Um, Norwalk residents actually do go to church, surprisingly. But it's not the case in society at large, right? It's just not the case. Can it be that there are 1% Christians in the world? 1% of the, of the 7.5, 7.7 billion occupants on this planet? Maybe 1% are Christians or are probably less. Probably less, right? But yet, still, if you and I determine in our hearts to be intentional with our service to God, what can happen in our homes? What can happen in our church? What can happen in this neighborhood? Or Yeah, this neighborhood, this town, this state, and this country. What can happen if God's people got in behind Him and truly, truly, made a decision to serve the Lord. As far as I'm concerned, we're not the minority. You may think that, but I refuse to accept that. We are not the minority. For greater is He who is in me than he that is in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above what we could ever ask or imagine or think 
Listen, we are the ones who serve the almighty living God. And God is able. He could do whatever it is he wants to do. He just needs somebody to say, here I am. Here I am, Lord God, send me. I accept your purpose. I accept your assignment. I accept your resources and I'm going to give you glory. I accept the responsibility of authority and this dominion that you have given to me. I accept it and from here on I am going to serve you with my whole life. That, that's what God is looking for from you and I. You think not? <coughs> Matthew 22. Amen. Matthew 22, write this down. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 39. It talks about loving God with all our hearts, minds, souls, and strength, and loving our neighbor the way we love ourselves. Wow, loving God, putting Him first, and then loving our neighbor the way we love ourselves. It's the key to life. It'll settle all disputes, all matters. It punctuates everything in life. When we, cook, when we put God first and we genuinely love one another. Secondly, 2 Timothy 2.15. It says, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman who needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It says, study to show thyself approved to Rick. It says, study to show thyself approved to the church. It says, study to show thyself approved unto God. It's our responsibility. Mark 16, 15 says, go ye. After we settled the matter concerning our relationship with God and one another, and we are involved in the training process, study of the Word of God, He says, go forth. He says, go ye. Go forth. And multiply. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. That's the mandate. Get yourself right with me and with one another. Study. Allow me to equip you and then go forth and multiply. The same commandment or instruction that was given to Adam and Eve so long ago was given to Jacob, Isaac. Given to Jacob, I believe it's chapter 29 specifically. And then it was given to all of mankind. We are to go forth. And multiply. In other words, we're supposed to fill this earth with God's glory. Share the gospel with everyone around us. And see to it that somebody who doesn't know Jesus in this life has the opportunity to go to heaven. How many of you appreciate your salvation? Let me see your hand. You appreciate your salvation. Think about the family member in your life who doesn't know Jesus. Think of someone outside of yourself that needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to finish with this, with this passage. Uh, Joey, can we sing? Will it be possible to sing that one last song that you sung? Can we do that one again, please? Listen to this. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 15 and 16, it says, Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. What do you think about that in terms of our responsibility in our service? It says, let your light Shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Father, we thank you so much this morning for your words. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for your mandate upon our lives. It's not easy, Father. It's the hardest thing anybody can set out to do or accomplish in life. To serve you, this side of heaven, to deny ourselves and to be about your business is not easy, Father. We learned this morning that you've given us an inheritance. You've given us resources. 
You've given us responsibility, dominion and authority. We are your representatives this side of heaven. And you ask us to go forth and multiply and to share you with the rest of the world. Because through relationships, you finalize this process. You make us more like yourself. You bless them, you say in the text. And I know that today you are blessing us as well, Father, so that we can actually carry out your mandate, so that we can actually live according to your will for our lives. Father, please give us your anointing and your strength. We pray these things this morning in the name of Jesus. And God's people say, Amen. this morning you should have a, a blue sheet in your bulletin did everybody get a bulletin no do we still have more back there somebody help me with this maybe one of the ushers more bulletins <coughs> can you raise your hand if you don't have one of these blue pieces of paper somebody's going to bring one to you <coughs> Thank you.
you don't have one, put your hand up. Oh, you got notes in the back of it. Everybody see it? This is just simply a suggested resolution as it reads on top. A suggested resolution for this new year and for the rest of our lives. You're going to make a resolution. It should be one like this. And if you are with me on this, would you repeat this resolution after me? Believing that Christ founded the church... Nope, let's start it again. So you repeat after me, my words. Okay? Believing that Christ founded the church. That the church exists to propagate Christ's influence. That the church's method of doing this is meeting together frequently in Christ's name. That God Himself planned the frequency weekly and gave us a day for it, Sunday, the Lord's Day. And inasmuch as common usage recognizes Sunday morning as church time, I hereby pledge myself That as long as I live, wherever I may be, unless hindered by sickness or necessity, on Sunday morning I will go to church. Trying to do it with one motive only, for Christ. I would try to go on time. Hmm. And I will be reverent in church. And all my life I will be a reader of God's Word. Father, we thank you so much for allowing us to spend this time in your presence. We thank you also for allowing us to make this pledge in your presence. Father, we will be intentional. We will serve you in spirit and in truth. We pray your blessings on our lives as we go our separate ways. These things we pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Don't forget, the reading for this week is the entire book of Matthew. Not seven chapters, Tom. God bless you guys. I love you guys. Happy New Year.